Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto six years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full-time. This is the June 8th, 2021 episode of Unchained. Next week is the five-year anniversary of Unchained. If you want to send in a question or comment for next week's show, which will be a mini AMA, the deadline to get your submissions in is Thursday, June 10th at 5 p.m. Eastern or 2 p.m. Pacific. Send it via email to hello at unchainedpodcast.com and write anniversary in the subject line. And also let me know how to pronounce your name. Thanks for listening to Unchained all these years. I never imagined it would change my life as it has, and I'm so grateful to all of you. Today's episode is sponsored by EY Blockchain. Ernst & Young is committed to supporting integration of the world's business ecosystems on the public Ethereum blockchain. The Crypto.com app lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto all in one place. Earn up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin and 14% interest on your stablecoins, paid weekly. Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 with the code LAURA. The link is in the description. Tezos is smart money that's redefining what it means to hold and exchange value in a digitally connected world. Discover how people are reimagining the world around you on Tezos. Today's topic is Bitcoin and what the on-chain metrics tell us about the price. Here to discuss are Willie Wu, an on-chain Bitcoin analyst and writer of The Bitcoin Forecast, a market intelligence newsletter, and Raphael Schultz-Kraft, co-founder and CTO of Glassnode. Welcome, Willie and Raphael. Hey, Laura. Great to be back. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. Well, five years of uh, the podcast I didn't know. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. The market has been in the doldrums recently with Bitcoin as of the time of this recording, which is Thursday morning Eastern, the day before the official start of the BTC Miami conference, trading in the high 30,000 as opposed to 30,000 range, as opposed to the $64,000 that um, that it was at in April. And Bitcoin recently saw a big sell-off on May 19th, which featured the largest daily candle in Bitcoin history, which showed an intraday price range of $11,500. It was also the day in which an all-time high of $4.53 billion in losses was hit. And that's the all-time high by quite a hefty margin. So for Raphael and Willie, what do you two think is the reason for this drop? You want to go first? Yeah, Willie, Willie? Why, how about you go first? Well, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, a lot of people have seen from the news that um, Elon Musk tweeted out um, that they were no longer taking payments to, um, you know, pay to, you know, for, for the Tesla sales. And they cited reasons um, that um, Bitcoin was, you know, very, very fossil fuel heavy in, in its network. Um, and so, in in that view, there's there was this, finally there was someone who was 
relatively respected amongst technology, actually validating a lot of one of these FUD points that um, uh, the, the mainstream media have been throwing at Bitcoin, which I don't think is actually valid, but nevertheless, um, it sent a shockwave of fear through the market. The, the price started plummeting within seconds to minutes of that tweet. Um, and um, the market setup at that point was already quite soft. Um, there, it, was, it was making a, um, a light recovery. It was tentative and um, it was starting to move upwards. Um, and that, that's also from a fundamental lens when you look at what was happening on the investment activity on the blockchain. And then when that tweet came out, um, it instigated um, severe amounts of selling, not only um, on derivative markets and spot markets. Um, we actually saw like significant sell-off um, as coins started to flow into exchanges. Um, so real coins got moved and they, they were moving from um, – Wallets that um, were quite young. Um, the, the, the coins, the coins held um, between one to six months of age. So, relatively new um, comers to Bitcoin is what I can tell. And um, I think a lot of them saw a lot of you know really nice um, rises in Bitcoin from the twenty thousand up to the sixty, in the fifty to sixty range, and they probably took the opportunity to take profit. And so. Um, you know, we saw this this huge, huge, um, I just call it tidal waves of coins moving into the exchanges. And um, ultimately, the whole derivatives market started to unwind. Um, anyone who was long got um, liquidated. Um, so that added further selling pressure. And so just we had this cascade of complete unwinding and sell-off. And um, what I think it went down to 30 or 29,000 um, in the final when the final dust had cleared and it bounced up and then it was recovering. And then China announced that um, they were banning Bitcoin miners and reiterated their, um, their stance on um, no trading for their, their, their um, nationals. So, um, and that's a big thing because, you know, miners um, are, uh, are heavily located in China. So um, that sent another wave of fear and price sold down. So we're now in this situation where, Bitcoin's um, heavily discounted below fundamentals um, and the markets, you know, attempting a, a, um, a recovery. Um, it's going sideways upish now. Rafael, what do you think? Yeah, um, I second most of what Willie said. I think um, there is, um, from my perspective, two major driving forces here. Um, I think I've it, I don't remember when's the last time when I saw the market react so much to news, to actual FUD or, you know, to tweets. Um, um, I think uh, this was, uh, I saw this much more happening in, in 2017. So, you know, with Elon Musk, uh, with, um, with the news from, from China, uh, mine shutting down, uh, China, uh, you know, banning, banning mining and so on and so forth. On the one hand, that, um, and uh, what we saw on chain is that, you know, most of those reactions were, um, you know, to like more new market entrants, right? Very short-term holders um, that that sold, um, you know, at losses um, or or actually, yeah, panic panic sold um, uh, eventually. And the second thing I think is um, that um, the market uh, was just highly over leveraged, right? Um, and I think um, 
that what what Willie mentioned, this cascade of you know margin calls and liquidations, um, uh, investors you know aiming to buy the dip um, when in fact you know the the, the sell off wasn't uh, wasn't over yet, and so sort of like cascade cascaded down, and 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 we saw that huge drop of you know over fifty percent down to twenty nine k. Um, so, so that combination, um, I think is, is, is what really, um, you know, made all these, uh, all this, uh, price action happen. I totally get that the market is not rational. And yet for the Tesla news, I mean, it's not like a huge percentage of Bitcoin transactions were being used to buy Teslas and Tesla kept all the Bitcoin on its balance sheet other than, you know, what it had sold previously, um, to test the liquidity in the market, which I think was just them trying to like do fancy accounting tricks. But anyway, um, so in that sense, it's sort of the re the reaction to sell based on the news doesn't make sense. And is it just that that's what it is? These are newbies and what they're doing doesn't make sense. Is that why that tweet had such an effect? Yeah, I think it's um, very much that case. It's like we've got some new entrants they've only been holding for less than six months. Um, and then you've enjoyed a lot of price um, gains and then something comes along and it validates, you know, so-called um, Mr. Um, you know, the, the Iron Man guy that, that has space rockets and Tesla cars says, no, no, this is, this is solid. It's like, this is like, um, you know, it's a, a big, going to be a big contributor to the world carbon emissions. So, um, you know, it's just the guy saying it is, is very well respected. And, um, for sure, like that, that will, I think, well, it obviously did change the, um, the views of people that came in recently saying, Oh, maybe this is, um, something that's not going to work in the long run. And they emptied their bags and, um, sold off. Yeah. I think the, the simple reach of, um, you know, of a personality like Elon Musk, um, just, um, you know, is something that we hadn't, we hadn't seen before, right? Um, and I can very well imagine that, um, it, it wasn't, you know, just the inability of many investors to, you know, see the nuances of, you know, those, those messages such as, Hey, we're not accepting these anymore because of, you know, X and Y reasons, but actually we haven't sold and we don't plan to sell any of those. Um, and, and other investors that I bet, um, you know, we're, we're, we're betting probably on, we're betting probably on, 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 you know, an, an irrational market reacting to this and, and, and saw the opportunity and, and started selling there. Well, so here's one area where I actually disagree with you, Willie, you know, where you said you don't think the environmental issue is such a problem for Bitcoin or, or not even just Bitcoin, but proof of work chains in general. Um, like, I mean, granted, I used to cover the environment as a reporter. <laughs> so maybe I'm kind of tuned into that segment of the world a little bit more than the average person and, and perhaps in that regard, give them more weight than they have. But, um, I feel like, their concern is only just growing because, you know, obviously the more time we let lapse without doing anything about it, the worse the problem will be and the harder it will be to fix. So in that regard, I, I actually feel like that could be quite a concern for Bitcoin going forward, but you seem to really not think it is merited. 
Yeah, I look. I, I'm, I'm, my training is a mechanical engineer. We studied renewables, um, and you know the thing is the cost economics of renewables is is still in its rollout stage and it's very marginal. And so, um, what Bitcoin does is it makes um, something that's marginal um, cost competitive. And so, in some regards, you might see an old coal-powered station that's that's going to be shut down, but along comes a Bitcoin miner says, we can mop up that energy and make it hang on for longer. But there's, you know, there's so many places in the world where um, renewable energies is deploying and a mining um, setup can make that marginal um, deployment um, come about much sooner as the cost of renewables start to drop. And um, we're on this arc where renewables are, becoming cheaper and cheaper. So eventually this whole um, um, infrastructure of energy that the the planet's on um, will eventually move to renewables, like the, the age of fossil fuels is coming to an end. And so what I see is that, like, you've got this tool here that's making things that are marginal, mainly renewables, and it's going to accelerate that. So that's the argument. Um, and people see these smokestacks and go, oh, that's, that's bad, but they don't see this, um, this increase in acceleration of renewables that's facilitated by these new economics. And not to mention that the, the efficiency of the Bitcoin network gets better as it gets bigger per capita. Yeah. And uh, now that China is cracking down on mining, we could see the switch to renewables for mining Bitcoin accelerate. And so that obviously would also be good. And I I think what you're referencing to when you talk about uh, renewable energy generation and combining it with Bitcoin mining, that is, are you referring to the ARC Square paper that they put out talking about how the economics of that um, could make, you know, renewables stronger? I I I haven't actually read their work. Um, I I think they talk about it as um, maybe um, like in the home or something, but I'm 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 not sure. This is just from first principles thinking um, as an engineer um, and seeing the like. Yeah, I've I've done. I I used to be a renewables geek too, so I did a lot of the calculations. Um. (laughs) You, me, and Chris Berniski. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Chris too. Yeah, but I have done the calculations, you know. (laughs) Um, Okay, okay. One other thing that I wanted to ask you too about who was selling at the time was, um, Willie, I think you had also, it was tweeted or or you wrote about this in your newsletter that you also saw some institutional selling. Can you talk about that a little bit more? uh, Yeah, there was uh, like, uh, we saw, I wouldn't say institutional, I'd say, um, you know, technically they were whale selling. Um, holders of over a thousand bitcoins, so that's either very, very large holders that are personal and private, or um, institutional. But like the, their holdings dropped, um, and that w- they were dropping bef- slightly before the the, um, the crash. And so, yeah, th- that dropped. Um, and un- unlike you know, normally what we see is when what we have seen in, in past months is whenever the institutions or whales. Uh, dropped their holdings. The next tier below, which is like one hundred to a thousand bitcoins in holdings, they would gain um, almost a mirror image, and they were were soaking up those coins. Um, 
And in this case, the the next tier below the the, the what we call the dolphins and sharks, um, they they were pretty steady. And so um, all of those coins that were being unloaded by the whales just were um, had to be absorbed by um, the smaller um, buyers, which they they couldn't maintain the price at that point. And so, yeah. Um, Despite the, the interesting thing was that as this whole thing started to to cave and the price dropped, and um, you know, crypto Twitter, the world was going, "Oh, Bitcoin's going into a bear market." It, you know, we don't see fifty percent drops like this without like a bear market. Um, that was completely different. Um, that view was completely different on chain. We saw a whole lot of new entrants come in for the very first time to buy their Bitcoins and the holders of one Bitcoin or less. So, you know, uh, $50,000, $30,000 investment. Um, that um, Those numbers started skyrocketing. And so um, smaller players came in to buy that dip. And um, so the actual user count um, on the network increased as this thing was selling down. And it's just that the, the, the buying power by a sea of smaller retail was not, um, sufficient um, to counteract the the sell off coming from Wales. And Raphael Glassnode recently wrote a blog post also talking about a potential slowing in institutional demand. How are you all determining that? Yeah, so what we see is um, you know one is maybe the the institutional products, um, right? The GVTC, the ETFs um, that that you know. Um, have been have been trading at a discount for for, for quite a bit um, now, um, which you know they seem seem to 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 requ- recover slowly. Um, we'll see we'll see how how that plays out uh, within the next couple of of um, of weeks and months. But um, what we saw is that going into the end of 2020 um, and and early uh, early 21. We saw this huge, unprecedented spike of um, of number of whales in the network on chain, right? Um, and um, and that started cooling off, um, you know, in in February even in, in in March. So so that kind of shows that you know distribution of 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 potential, you know, institutional or whale buying into um, uh, into smaller hands. Um, and um, I think um, ultimately, you know, this this led to what Willie says. Although we see this this huge um, entrance of, of 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 new network participants, right, of, of new users coming into into the network, um, they they were simply not able to to sustain the price because um, because uh, you know just 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 uh, because of the buying power as compared to to this institutional uh, this institutional rise or whale rise uh, that we saw uh, towards the end of the year and beginning of this year. And um, I also, you know, you guys parse out the chain metrics in so many different ways. And I know both of you have also seen some trends when it comes to the movement to and from exchanges. What are you seeing there and what does it say about where the market is headed? Yeah, I think um, so what we saw um you know the trend that we started seeing since um, essentially a bit over a year um, since uh, you know Black Thursday was was this you know general depletion of um, 
of supply and exchanges. Um, and, and, and so that of course leads to, you know, some sort of liquidity squeeze. Um, there is, there's not enough, um, essentially to, to, to be bought up. Um, and so this, this reduces substantially uh, the selling pressure. You know, with the with the, the the rise to to new all time highs, and you know before and and now, you know after and during this drop, um, um, we've we've seen some we we saw some 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 increased um um supply um on exchanges right that is now cooling off again, um and so these coin movements really tell you story um about you know um investor behavior on chain. And, um, and the liquidity and potential sell pressure, um, that, that you see there. Um, it's a bit more nuanced than, than people usually put it because, um, it, it really depends on, on, on the exchange. And we've seen recently, you know, this uh, sort of like this geographical difference between, um, you know, increasing supply in, in, on Asian exchanges, decreasing supply and, and on US exchanges, um, right? So there, there might be some, uh, geographical, um, you know, things in, in, in play as well. But generally, um, you know, you can, you, you can see this, this recent cool off that, um, you know, that, that it seems like, you know, investors are essentially done, um, with the, with the sell of. Well, actually, um, in order to kind of paint a, a broader picture, the three exchanges that you were talking about that are picking up coins are, Binance, Bitfinex, and Bittrex. Is Bittrex, I thought that was an American exchange or? I'm, I don't want to get ahead of okay. myself here, so, um, but um, I, I thought, um, or at least um, that they were, they were operating there maybe, um, okay. but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm pretty sure it's American. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's American, is it? um, but, but it's not a very large mm. um, by volume exchange. It's, the main, it's not. The main, yeah. the main um, you know, the big 800 pound gorilla is Binance. And, um, you know, that's interesting. Cause I'm like, I'm seeing like, you know, even in, um, the chat analysis and looking at the, the way in which, um, the price action is analyzed. Um, the selling comes from Binance and the buying comes from Coinbase and there's a net shift mm. in coins. Um, and I don't know if it's some intricate arbitrage thing that's happening or whether or not, um, it is actually Chinese. Um, the Chinese selling their coins and like now that we've seen the banning, um, banning mining, I, I don't know what the, what's causing that, but it definitely looks like, um, the West is buying and the East is, um, divesting. So I don't remember the, you know, what the exact wording was in the blog post, um, where it talked about that, but I, I feel like it hinted at people essentially trying to move their coins offshore maybe to avoid certain regulation or something. So oh, capital but, flight. But Willie, you feel like it's um the it's simply that uh Asians are sell or, or the Asian market is selling and that America the Western market is buying. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm just guessing at theories. I have no I have no real information. I'd probably have to, you know, figure out what's really happening in the industry by talking to people. Um, rather than just looking at the, the sheer numbers on charts. Um, but yeah. And, you know, like, you know, back to this point of the, the supply on these exchanges. Um, the interesting thing for me is that we've, we've been in an era with, um, such strong institutional and high net worth, um, buying 
that um, on-chain has come very become very dominant in the first half of this year uh, because those guys uh, move their coins off the exchanges and put it into cold storage. Uh, but now we're in this phase where retail's really ramping up and they're coming in to buy this dip. And typically the second half of these, you know, one in year bull, um, markets that, you know, go crazy vertical. Um, the tail end of it is very, very dominated by retail. And, um, I think the picture might be a little bit harder to read mainly because, um, there might be a lot of buying from retail. Um, but they don't withdraw from exchanges as much as an institution would. They, they're quite happy to leave their coins on their Coinbase wallet. And so you'll see um, potentially um, the supply on these exchanges increase and increase because they're, they're in long-term holdings by retail. Um, and it looks like um, coins are being sold in, but um, in actual fact they're in long-term hold by by retail who are just using their, their the exchange wallet. So. Um, I think the second part of this year will be quite interesting, and um, I think we need to know that and that effect is happening. And to, maybe to add on this, to uh, to add to this, um, I think you know one of the, the the major depletions that we've seen is is actually Coinbase, right? Uh, which we all know, um, you know, um, they 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 have um, custody uh, service again, also for institutionals, and actually. We're currently doing some research on, um, you know, identifying some of these, you know, larger clusters um, of on chain that seem to be very, very closely related to, you know, the, 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 the coin chain, uh, the Coinbase wallets um, that we see, whether it's, you know, Coinbase custody or something, something else, um, you know, hard to say, but, but at least it's something that um, interacts very, very closely with them. And so, um, you know, as Willie says, much of that, um, could be um, related to institutional buying versus, you know, retail, um, on the other hand, uh, potentially more on Binance and so on that, um, you know, just leave, um, come in and leave their coins on, on exchanges um, in order to, to keep trading. So I do want to ask a, another question about institutional, but before we get to that, just to continue on this Binance thread, um, one of the Glassnode <laughs> posts um, <laughs> talked about how, it could also be that people are moving coins to exchanges, not simply to sell, but also because they either want to rotate into ETH or they want to trade on chains like Binance Smart Chain. So do you think that that's also, you know, influenced the sell-off in the Bitcoin price? And would that also account for this movement we're seeing of coins going on to Binance? I, I think so. I mean, I don't know what the extent of, uh, of, of, of really of, of that, how much influence it, it really has, but, but we've seen those, those rotations, right? And, and we often see this. I mean, this, this is something typical for, for bull markets as well, where, where people, um, start, um, you know, moving into, into different, um, um, altcoins, uh, into other assets, um, you know, most recently then potentially also into, into Binance Smart Chain, which, you know, didn't exist in 2017. And so, um, I think that, that those, those are things that, um, come into play as well. Um, and, and something that we're observing closely in terms of, you know, how does this look like, um, now that we've seen this, this immense dip, you know, as a coming back, um, uh, into Bitcoin, right? In order to, to rebalance, uh, potential portfolios again and, 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 and see how that, you know, what kind of effect then that this has on, on the Bitcoin price itself as well. 
And so to just wrap up this institutional conversation, I did also want to ask about GBTC because the story around that has shifted quite a bit in the last several months uh, from what it really had been for years. Can you tell us what changes we've seen there and what that says about this current market? Uh, sure. Um, so um, I'm, you know, I, I think I, I saw this too, and I, I was actually a bit surprised, to be honest, um, to see this uh, this this huge flip um, in the last couple of months um, because that narrative was a big one right and this was this was you know the the essentially the the, the front page of hey institutions are here um the holdings of of you know gbtc were going up um for for from for you know for months people were comparing it that you know they were scooping up more coins than actually uh coins were being mined and and so you know this this was naturally seen as something i mean very very bullish and then that changed, and that change happened actually um, coincided with with the introduction of, of of the Canadian Purpose ETF, right? And and so um, people were speculating, right, whether investors might be you know reallocating and going into the ETF rather than GBTC just because of of, of you know the, the the structure of of how these funds or the trust is is being set up. Um, and and so and so the the GBTC premium um, dropped uh, you know and 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 flipped actually into a discount um, and and for me this was actually going to be something that you know people must be arbitraging this right so it's just going to be you know a very short period of time and it will um, you know flip positive again very very quickly but you know this has now sustained for what two months or so I I don't even know for for very very long. Um, I think much of that has to do with, you know, the structure of the, of the trust itself. And, um, but I'm not too much, too deep into that. So I, I, I cannot, I cannot say whether this is, uh, this is true and whether, you know, um, you know, uh, because it seems like it's a one way road, right? You can, you can sort of like, uh, uh, you know, put things in, into there, but it takes a lot of time to, to recover them. Um, and so, um, yeah, um, it, it seems, it seems like that discount has, Cooled up a bit. I mean, it's still negative, right? But but it's it's going sideways, um, and 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 so I'm I'm super curious to see um, how that plays out specifically because the ETF itself um, is is also trading at a discount currently. Uh, but maybe uh, Willie has more more insights on that as well. Yeah, I, I found it um, interesting that you know the arbitrage was not closed. We didn't see buyers buying Bitcoin at what was it over a ten percent discount at one point. Um, you don't want to buy exposure to Bitcoin. 20 at some point. 20, okay, 20% 20 discount. on. You can either buy Bitcoins on Coinbase or you can buy the ETF at 20% discount. I, th I found it phenomenal that, sure, if there, no one could arbitrage it because of the structure um, of, of that fund, surely um, investors would see that opportunity and, and bring it back up and – and maybe reduce their buying on standard exchanges, but it never did. And I was, I don't know. It was always this mystery to me. Um, but I have seen in this start to f the, the dive flip um, or the change directory. And now the, the premium is starting to become less negative. So that's, you know, that that's a positive sign. That's saying, you know, people are starting to buy, um, buy this, this, um, this ETF. So there's, there's more demand coming from that side. Um, but I, I think overall, um, that was a warning sign in hindsight, kind of this hidden warning sign that 
um, there was market selling in the ETF. The ETF holds, I think, um, was is it like three percent of all Bitcoin supply? It's something like that. I'm not sure. Um, and so, like that was being sold down, I and mean, it wasn't reflected into um, the main market um, because the way that ETF is structured is that it's it's kind of like Hotel California. Those bitcoins go in, and they cannot leave. Um, so, like um, the the coins weren't being emptied out of that trust to be sold onto the market to to track Bitcoin. It just meant the the the, the premium drop. The, the it was heavily discounted. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. That one. Um, like Willie, you seem to have uh, you seem to you seem to have very 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 nice uh, analogies to the music industry. Yeah, I was going to say the California, same thing. Rick Astley. <laughs> um, this is this is great. They're always on point. The, the classics, right? <laughs> yeah. I I have to agree. I was just going to comment on the same thing. All right. So in a moment, we're going to talk about other areas of the market and what they say about the Bitcoin price and where it's going. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Today's episode is sponsored by EY Blockchain. Ernst Young is committed to supporting integration of the world's business ecosystems on the public Ethereum blockchain. Join our fifth annual Blockchain Summit and Education Series on May 18th to 21st for a deep dive into zero-knowledge privacy technologies, accounting, and tax rules, as well as the future of finance. Sign up and learn more at ey.com slash global blockchain summit or blockchain.ey.com. Tezos lets you easily exchange smart money throughout our digital world. A self-upgradable blockchain with a proven track record, Tezos seamlessly adopts tomorrow's innovations without network disruptions today. Because of this adaptability, engineers, conservationists, entrepreneurs, collectors, game developers, and artists from around the world are building, creating, and using Tezos every day. Discover how people are reimagining the world around you on Tezos. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. If you're a hodler, Crypto.com Earn pays industry-leading interest rates on over 30 coins, including Bitcoin, at up to 8.5% interest and up to 14% interest on your stablecoins. When it's time to spend your crypto, nothing beats the Crypto.com Visa card, which pays you up to 8% back instantly and gives you 100% rebate for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. There is no annual or monthly fees to worry about. Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 when using the code LAURA, L-A-U-R-A. The link is in the description. Back to my conversation with Willie Wu and Raphael Schultzcraft. So we touched on this briefly, um, but we could probably talk about it a little bit more. What have you seen in derivatives trading and how has that played a role in the Bitcoin price as of late? Oh, um, it's well, you know, derivatives is like, um, you know, it's 
It really was an invention by BitMEX in 2017, um, and that got to phenomenal volumes by 2018. And so when I look at the Bitcoin price, I go, oh, look at those sheer uh, walls of fear um, as derivatives get unwound. And I look at the chart going back to tail end of 2018, I see three 50% drops of sheer walls of terror, and everyone um, you know, screaming um, with blood on the streets. And that is the impact of derivatives as people <laughs> get completely liquidated on these derivative markets with their, um, you know, 100x leverage. Uh, I think Binance published that, you know, th- they do the largest volume and they published um, 60% do 20x or more leverage on these things. Um, so, uh, the, the price volatility of Bitcoin has made market, um, jumps upwards since derivative markets have been, um, out in force. Um, and yeah, I, I think that, um, a lot of people, um, are trading these things. Um, and I don't know, it's a little bit like crack cocaine when you're on a hundred X leverage and it's, it's fun if you can make something and, then we've got now a generation of uh, Bitcoin traders um, that are like experiencing this. On the one hand, they're learning, um, you know, how markets work, um, how you can, you know, push price around. You can buy things, you can liquidate other people. It's like this full on game. Um, and then um, the other side, you get this, you know, crazy kind of whipsaw in the Bitcoin price, which, um, deters long-term investors because the volatility is it's it, it does some pretty crazy things you know and um no different from what we just saw now with this um you know almost 50 percent drop um and um in covid also um and to put this in perspective i think um the last metric i had um I didn't read how many people got liquidated in this last crash, but one of the um, unwinds from the, the the low 60s, that was a derivatives unwind. And um, it, w- it happened when I think the miners um, tripped over the power cord in, in China and um, the hash rate dropped on the network. People sold off. The derivatives, of derivatives um uh, went into a cascade of liquidations and it was 1 million traders that got liquidated. Uh, so it's, um, it's not, it's, it's, you know, there's only about 150 million holders of Bitcoin in the world. Um, and 1 million of them are, are trading derivatives. And well, that's like a generation that is learning how to trade markets at, um, no, I, I think this is a new thing. This is a new phenomena. When we look back on the history books, this is like a generation learning how to trade. All right, let's Raphael, do you want to add anything? Or we can <laughs> we can talk about stable coins. There's quite a lot to cover when it comes to stable coins. Uh sure, sure. Let's let's move let's okay. move on to stable coins. Uh, so talk about that. I did see that one of the Glassnode posts also talked about how in the months leading up to the Coinbase direct listing, demand for stable coins was so high that Tether, USDC, and DAI all traded above the peg for a month. So why is that? Can you explain? Yeah, I think um you know, people might have just been looking for, you know, liquidity to, to exit, right? I mean, in the end for, for, I feel like as we see this, right, the, the, the price of a stable coin, even if it's packed to the dollar, um, you know, is susceptible to, you know, just market forces. And if there's huge demand for, for those, um, you know, potentially for people to, you know, 
because they're wanting to 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 exit right and and, and to move into those coins uh, we saw that you know the peg for for you know for usdt usdc and dai um just was you know for for over a month just slightly above above the dollar peg right um, wait but can you so break this that, down for me because i don't know if i fully understand because obviously the coinbase direct listing that's you know in the traditional stock market that's like a totally separate financial system and then you're saying like people might want to exit their cryptos um so i i just i don't feel like i really understand the connection yeah yeah, I mean that's I mean that that's that's one of the interpretation of 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 what we saw, right? Because it it was it was it was rather constant over over you know a period of of, of a month um, just before 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 the dip, right? Um, and and so and so this is this is this is you know looking at those at those at those packs and and how they deviate from you know from 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 the from the actual underlying value um, is is something that. Essentially, by chance, we we saw, and we're currently looking a bit more into you know, some more you know systematic analysis on on how that really changes over time, and you know if that actually not means anything at all or what it does, um, and because um, it's uh, it we we just saw it you know across uh, multiple uh, stable coins um, over that period. But what, um, what would and, the trade um, be? So, it's that they maybe themselves don't own own Coinbase stock. Or, or is it for the people that do? Like, I didn't get who it was. Was it the people who have Coinbase stock or the people who don't? I, I mean, I, th I think that's that's speculative. Um, um, like, I, I, I couldn't say, right? I mean, it's a, it's, 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 it's more, it's something that is, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to to bring in that interpretation. Um, I'm leaning more towards, you know, the sole sort of like, you know, data driven, um, you know, observation. Of 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 what that what the pack and what the price say, um, uh, so so I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go ahead uh, ahead of myself there uh, too much, right? So that's that's one part of that's one part of you know what we've seen um, with um, with respect to to, to stablecoins. The other thing is um, that it has um, you know the supply has has increased quite a bit, right? Um, and 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 we've seen this uh, actually accelerating during this this this. Uh, during the drop as well, right? So, um, what this means um, is is essentially that you know we believe that there's there's a lot of gunpowder out there, right? Um, that that can be used essentially in these markets to to you know buy up um, Bitcoin and and essentially increase the um, the, the price. Um, so, one of the metrics that we look at is the the stablecoin supply ratio, right? That essentially compares um it compares the the supply of of, of uh the stable coins to to bitcoin and actually willie had a very nice uh, modification of that adjusting for um the downtrend over over the over the last um you know over the last couple of months um uh, and um that actually shows that we're you know historically um at the low end of it uh, which you know could could indicate that um, that you know there is um, you know that there is essentially historic com comparing it historically as as you know as looking at this oscillator um, a lot of dry powder to 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 you know start moving into um, into Bitcoin again. So people are essentially buying a lot of stable coins, kind of waiting for a kind of a type of bottom in the market to deploy. Is that yeah. what that indicate? Okay. 
Yeah, because like if you're selling out of your Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatever cryptos you have, you're going to sell to US dollars and you've got a choice, right? You're going to either sell to US dollars and withdraw it to your bank or um, the other choice is to sell it, sell it to a stable coin and keep it in digital form. And that is the advantage of um, you can just move it straight back into into crypto very quickly and effectively. So um, what we've seen is um, a lot of the value um, go out of crypto and into stable coins sitting there on the sidelines, just ready to flow back in once um, the picture of price action starts to move bullish. Um, so um, it's it's a it's a good picture, you know. It's um, like if it was bearish, I would say people would want to exit their stable coins and move it to stocks or something, or gold or something traditional where you you wire the money out. Um, so, um, and we're we're in these historic um, kind of all time highs of stable coins um, when once you 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 take out the skew in the in the picture. Um, so it, I think it's. Um, it's very positive for the the, the longer term price um, that we're, we're kind of in regions where we've overextended and um, overselling. That's my interpretation of the data. Um, and like we've got a lot of upside and um, the downside is quite limited at this stage. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about some of the metrics that show that, um, Willie, obviously you're well known for the NVT ratio. Um, why don't you remind the listeners how you define that and tell us what it's currently indicating? Okay. So, um, you know, most people are familiar with price earnings ratio and stocks and um, Bitcoin doesn't really have, it's not a company. It doesn't have earnings. Um, it, what it does have is it's a pure store of value network. So what it does have is um, volumes of um, Bitcoin moving between investors. So you can measure the value moving between investors as as how active that network is um, as, a, as an investment network. And you can run a ratio to its um, network value, the market cap, and that's essentially NVT ratio. It's the price earnings for Bitcoin. Um, you can, you know, it's a fundamental equation. You can put it down on first principles and um, you can show that price earnings of Bitcoin, which is NVT, multiplied by the volume, um, that oscillates, that gives you a evaluation for Bitcoin. Um, just like you you might say this company has a 4x multiplier from its price earnings, this category of company. And so you can go, okay, let's see what earnings it does. And okay, the valuation is four times. Um, so um, that's, that is essentially what you can do with um, NVT. And um, NVT is that that pure ratio like a price earnings you can multiply it by the volume um and the long-standing volume like the median and um you can map it back to the price domain and um so it gives you us a very nice kind of trace of where the value should be based on the investment volume um going through the network between um individual investors and currently that sits at fifty five thousand dollars um even though we were not long ago in the low 30s. Um, it's it's in a historic band of undervaluation. Um, and I notice, um, you know, Plan B's um, pretty well-known stock-to-flow ratio, another fundamental based on the scarcity um, dynamics of the network. Um, that's, that's currently at $65,000. So those two are pretty much in... Um, the higher agreement of between fifty-five and sixty-five thousand uh, dollars, and also if you look at how far the price is currently deviated from that 
that metric. It's it's also in a band where it's um, all time undervaluation um, when you look back on the history. So, uh, yeah, I mean, something that confuses me a little is if we're at this moment where Bitcoin is, you know, quite well undervalued um, historically, and yet at the same time we're at this moment where you know, there's this huge amount sitting in stable coins, um, then why aren't we starting to see kind of the beginnings of a more bullish market? Or maybe we are and, and um, you know, I, I'm just not aware that that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I actually think that we're in a, um, you know, a post-capitulation um, reaccumulation of coins. So, so many whales dumped out. Um, and it'll take a bit of time for those coins to be reaccumulated. And I, I think once the price action starts to tip, um, properly bullish. So maybe a little bit of sideways and the price action starts to look good. I think a lot of those stable coins, um, will come back in. And, um, I like all these metrics are telling me is like, we are very overextended in, in the sell down and, um, Historically, when we are um, below these fundamentals, the recovery is quite quick. Um, the only times where the recovery is slow um, tends to be when the price was way above fundamentals and it's taken a long time for the price to come back down and recover. Um, so um, I think the time to, a lot of this is telling me the time to recovery is um, going to be faster than um, maybe what we saw in 2019 took months after that 6,000 to 3,000 um, drop. Um, and I think it'll be a lot like um, the COVID white swan crash in, in 2020. Um, we dropped below fundamentals there and we recovered in a matter of um, about eight weeks, I think. Um, yeah, this actually reminds me of something I wanted to touch on at the very beginning because one thing that surprised me was that neither of you mentioned that the May 19th sell sell off was kind of like right around the time that taxes were due here in the US and i did wonder you know cuz i i did see other people saying that that could be a contributing factor do you guys both think that that could have been as well i'm actually i actually don't know too much about you know tax behavior in the US um, i'm i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a resident there um i mean if it is um and and people often point to that uh, right in when 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 spring is here um, that that it does have an effect, and uh, and always when we see those dips um, uh, around the, that that period, right, um, on a yearly basis, essentially, um, it's it's being pointed out as you know one potential factor um, for the for the for the you know for the corrections for the dips and and, and for those price drops. Um, for, from my perspective, though. You know, this year, um, you know, uh, the the Black Thursday last last year, and so on. Um, they they definitely go beyond that, right? Um, and I think there's you know these these more more obvious factors that led to you know those more extreme corrections um, than than they usually happen. Um, but um, but 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 overall, it seems like you know there is you know there is some some effect um uh due to you know tax season in in the US um, on the price um i from my perspective i i wouldn't you know over overestimate it too much um but um but but it's probably probably plays some role 
Yeah, I'm just realizing I asked two non-Americans this question. Yeah, but I know you. Yeah. That, that is that thing. Walk away in May, I think. Um, now I know it's maybe because of tax well, reasons. No, but it's normally um, in April. Yeah. It was only pushed because of the pandemic yeah. one month. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's normally okay. April 15th. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. this year it was May 17th. Yeah. Well, I can't remember know, why, but I'm looking it's at the something chart. to do with COVID. And it doesn't seem to backtrace that that great, you know, like a lot of times in April, it's climbing quite rapidly in the Bitcoin price history. So no, I'm not sure. Even like now, I think we're in the era where a lot of people are choosing to not sell their, um, their Bitcoins to, um, to pay down taxes because that incurs even more taxes. Um, they might just collateralize it and get a block fi loan. Um, so <laughs> You know, you know, more leverage in the system, but I've, I noticed that people are doing that um, rather than to incur um, a tax event on capital gains with their bitcoins. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to say it could be a bunch of the DeFi yield farmers, but since there isn't a huge overlap with the Bitcoin community, um, it may not be the case. Um, all right, one other of your favorite metrics, Willie, is SOPR. I actually don't know what that exactly stands for. I know how you define it, but can you give us the definition and explain what it is that that says about the market now? Sure. Uh, this is Renato's metric who called it spent output um, price ratio. Um, so Profit ratio. Profit ratio. Sorry, profit ratio. Um, yeah, so essentially... Um, Let's say we'll pick a day and we'll, I'll get someone to count um, every coin that passes um, between, um, let's say, investors. We actually just look at between wallets. Um, but let's say the ideal case is investors. Glassnode actually does it for investors. Um, and you go, all right, those coins moved. And you can, because the blockchain tells you when those coins arrived in that wallet, you know the price that the seller um, sold those coins for. And now you know today this is the price they sold it for. So you can get a profit um, on that. That guy sold for, you know, you know, maybe $50,000 of profit for all those coins. And that person sold at a loss um, because they bought at a higher um, pricing. And so you kind of do a, a ratio um, of the profit um, that is transacted during that day. And you can say um, you, you get this readout, you get this chart and, um, Typically what you see is this chart, you know, in a bull market, um, the price runs up higher and higher and higher. So anyone who's transacting coins is obviously um, moving coins that are now at vast profit. And so once the price starts to tip, um, you know, like the people just are now like selling their coins and some of them are selling at a loss because it's, it's now possible to sell at a loss because it's coming down in price they bought earlier when it was higher. Um, and, and generally what you see is, um, you know, the, as it goes down, more and more people sell because they're, they're taking the profit that they've got on the table while it's still in hand. So th this is this profit taking coming as SOPA goes down and down and down and down until it hits the 1.0 line, which is like there's on average the coins that are moving um, between investors in the market are no longer um, carrying any profit. And so typically in a bull market, no one wants to sell at a loss, so the selling stops and the price bounces up. Um, so SOAP is this really nice kind of chart that tells us, you know, when does the profit taking end? 
When it hits 1.0, there's a high chance the market will no longer sell at a loss if we're in a bull market. Um, and so, yeah, SOPA in a nutshell. All right. So we're running out of time. So I want to touch on a few things um, before we wrap up. But one is obviously a huge trend in Bitcoin the last like nine months, 10 months has been um, corporate treasuries buying up Bitcoin. And after this winter's Bitcoin for Corporations event that MicroStrategy held, I kind of expected we would start to see, you know, after some time period, another steady drumbeat of corporate news about Bitcoin being added to treasuries. But it's actually kind of died down a bit. And I wondered if you're seeing any evidence on chain or even just hearing from the industry, you know, where that's going. Is that a trend that has kind of died out or is it just something that takes well because we're talking about corporate treasuries here or what, where do you think that is headed? So from my perspective, um, it's something that, that, that will continue, right? And that continues. The thing is that, you know, what you hear um, is obviously, you know, publicly traded companies um, and and only those that, that started those processes very early on um, to get those, you know, Bitcoin on their balance sheets. Um, we, we have to remember that those are, you know, those are processes that, you know, take take quite some time, right? It's not it's not like, hey, you know, let's 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 buy and then that's it. Um, and so, um, you know. Now that the infrastructure is is essentially there, that that you know wasn't simply there a couple of years ago, and for sure not during the last bull run, um, this this is now possible for those, right? And I think what we heard um, so far are those that that really started, um, you know, setting up their Bitcoin strategies very early on, um, and from from what we saw um, on chain. Um, this might have, you know, cooled off a bit when you look at, at least when you look at, you know, large whale entities on chain. I mean, of course, they're not always, you know, one mapped uh, one to one. Um, many of those, um, you know, are not holding their coins in, in self custody, but, but use services for that. Um, but, um, uh, I think that um, that we'll hear much, much more of those um, in the upcoming months. Um, and, and I think so. Because um, I, I believe that you're, you're probably risking a lot if you don't have a proper Bitcoin strategy nowadays. Um, and also because, you know, what we, what we hear out there are the, the, the publicly traded companies. Um, but, um, I mean, us as Glassnode, like, you wouldn't believe, like, what conversations we're having at times, right? Um, there is... There is hedge funds, there is family offices, there is big high net worth individuals. There's really, you know, a lot of like big private folks that, that are looking into this. And if those are, you can imagine how many, how many others are. So I think there is, there's, there's a lot of things going on behind closed doors. And uh, it's, it's from my perspective, it's, it's just a matter of time until these start popping up more and more. Um, and announcing, you know, their, their holdings. Willie, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, I, I also think that there's the, the, again, I agree. It's a timing thing. Um, you know, like they, I believe Michael Saylor said that it took, um, MicroStrategy six months to get, um, prepared 
to to um, actually deploy into Bitcoin, um, and they were very fast. But most most companies would take um, nine months or even longer, and so I kind of started the the clock ticking from when that conference kicked off and said, "Well, let's let's go six to nine months, probably nine months." Um, and I was like, "That's going to be very very interesting if if those guys really." do um, deploy and it is going to be in that time frame. We're looking at a fourth quarter of this year of um, buying from large and large um, ticket sizes, which is typically what um, we kind of expect. That's the time where the bull market starts to wane. Um, the momentum starts to die out uh, around there. Uh, but if those guys come in, I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be make a very interesting um, fourth quarter because um, – you know, most of the models predict or are just um, guessing that like past cycles, we, we, we might top out near the fourth quarter. Um, so it's an interesting timing if, if this, this money starts coming in all around then. Yeah, we'll have to see. So one other kind of wild card is that I did notice in some of the recent analyses, Glassnode has referenced holders rotating into ETH, as I mentioned before. And I'm sure you're well aware Ethereum is going to be instituting probably the biggest change to its monetary policy ever. And it's one that many people believe will make ETH deflationary, which in my, from this is my personal perspective, but I feel like then this is the first time where Bitcoin and Ether kind of will compete in that regard because even though there has been a narrative that they're competitive or whatever, you know, to my mind, they're kind of just different things. And if you're, if you really understand what you're doing with your money, then when you put your money in one versus the other, it's for different reasons. That's my perspective. I'm sure many people don't actually really do the research to understand on that level. But anyway, still given this change to ETH's monetary policy, how do you expect that that will impact the price of Bitcoin going forward now that they will compete? Uh, you know, in this kind of deflationary sense. Yeah, I think um, in terms of a, um, you know, a store of value asset, um, I think Ethereum has been competing um, for a long time now, even as early as 2017. It was very young back then, but now we've had maybe getting on six years of price action history. We've had a lot of, um, a lot of the kind of properties you want to see in a store of value asset develop inside the Ethereum network. Um, even though we're, you know, it's like a smart contracts network and we have DeFi running on it. Um, I, I think a lot of the, the value that is accrued to Ethereum is really people wanting to hold it, locking that up. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it, 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 it certainly does impact the, um, the valuation metrics if, if you're going to reduce the inflation, um, significantly. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'll say is that it is developing those Lindy effects. And I have seen that, um, you know, it is becoming a choice um, for corporate treasuries. Um, it, it's starting to, yeah, it, where previously the conversation was just Bitcoin. And is that because of this change? I I would not know. <laughs> I would not know. Um, I think that it, I, for me, looking at this as an analyst, I go, well, actually, if you look at if you look at the Sharpe ratio, the risk adjusted return on this network, it's very similar to to Bitcoin. Um, and I think that 
the traditional world is very, very um, comfortable with diversifying and having baskets rather than all in one asset. Raphael, do you have an opinion? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm more on the side of, of, of you know, um, those are not competing networks. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if, you know, this, this, this will really grab so much of, of, of Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin is still, you know, regarding its history, regarding its simplicity or regarding, you know, this, this very, you know, um, static monetary policy that is you know has been established now for for 12 years it's it's still something that um that that from my perspective and and where i believe you know serious money at this stage um is is probably you know more more inclined to to deploy um because um you know ethereum has just made other choices right and you know this change is 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 experimental right um you know i mean it it will have to see what what like how much and how it, what it actually does to it um it goes into that direction right it, it, it points towards um you know doing something similar um and and you know making the asset uh you know deflationary but um but but still 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 uh, still a def- I still view it as 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 you know something something you know yeah on the sides um and not not competing and 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 you know um grabbing grabbing capital off of um of of Bitcoin at this stage at least um and we have to observe you know how this actually plays out um and what it does with the ecosystem I think uh, a lot of the interest though comes from the fact uh, that um. There's just so much development happening happening in the in this um, in this uh, ecosystem, right? Um, so many things being built on top of it, and and so much more things that you can actually do now, holding Ethereum um, in those decentralized protocols than you can, you know, uh, in, in in Bitcoin, um, and that makes it very interesting for many um, investors, I believe. Yeah, yeah. When Mark Cuban came on my show, he felt like because of the number of things that one can do with Ethereum, that that might be uh, the coin that more people end up holding, which is kind of interesting. And, you know, that for me was a fresh idea. Um, All right. So for you, what are you looking for to determine whether, you know, when we'll uh, flip back to a bull market or, or do you think we already are? And um, going forward, uh, why don't we say, uh, August and then end of year, what would be your price predictions for those two moments in time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually very careful with price predictions as, as everyone is probably. So my, my answers to this are usually a bit more fuzzy. Um, I think, um, we, we haven't exited a bull market, uh, at the stage from an on-chain perspective, from a structural perspective. There's, there's little that, that points to that. Um, so, um, as of now, I still believe that, you know, this is a correction, a big one uh, within the bull market, but we're, we're still on track. Um, seems to be, you know, looking a bit, um, like, uh, like the, like the 2013 double top, if you will. If, if you take, you know, the, the 65k as, as the first top, um, and, and now this, uh, you know, this, this, this correction, Bit longer. I, I feel like I'm, uh, um, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as, as Willie is with, uh, you know, how, how fast we'll, we'll, we'll go back up. Um, um, I 
at, at this stage, I feel that, um, you know, the downside risk right now is very, very small, but um, I still wouldn't be very surprised if we get another burst of pain and another kind of, you know, shakeout um, before, you know, we, we start, we start, um, you know, properly, um, uh, get, uh, you know, regating um, the, the, the trend, the, the bull market trend, essentially, over the next couple uh, weeks um, of months. But um, yeah, structurally, I think we're on track. And um, it's, um, it's, it's as long as the data doesn't tell me anything else, um, I, I remain bullish and, um, and, and we'll see where we end up um, towards the end of the year. Willie, what about you? Yeah, very similar. The structure is not bearish. Um, if this is a bear market, it's the weirdest, weirdest darn uh, bear market I've ever seen. Um, and if it keeps dropping from here, like, it's like, what's wrong with this network? Is it broken? <laughs> it's, um, we're very, we're very oversold. Um, there, there's people joining. We, um, you know, we have even dropped from a high mania phase, which is very consistent for bear markets. They they ended they end with a bull market pop, and then we we have to revisit fundamentals. Yeah, we were already at fundamentals when this thing sold off. So, um, I think that we'll rebound um, relatively well soonish. Um, and I don't think it's going to be multi multi months longer than two months. Um, but you know, anything can happen in these markets. Um, yeah, I think that we'll, 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 we'll climb back up. Um, with, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there's nothing in the data that shows me this is, this is, um, serious. Um, you know, the most bearish thing I can find on the network is that capital was moved, um, out of the network in terms of realized cap, which is, you know, good metric on how much mm. is stored there. And so that's dipped quite a bit. And I haven't seen that before in the middle of the bull market. Um, so there was some significant sell-offs. Um, but Can you just terms, remind listeners what realized cap means? It's it's a sum of all um, all the coins sitting in wallets at the price that investors paid um, for those mm-hmm. coins. Um, so that's dropped. That means that people sold higher up and now um, realized cap is no longer capturing a higher value of those those extra high coins. And this is one of the things that, typically rises very easily and very seldom does it drop and and, and it has dropped at a level which um is consistent of a start of a bear market um but once again there's it does not agree with um some much more telling metrics like um the number of new entities that we're seeing on the network and the number of users coming on board some of the companies that um i have the data on uh so the yeah the Customers are coming in, new users are coming in. That's a bull market. Um, it's just a matter of when um, those coins will be uh, uh, reabsorbed and bought and held. Um, which and so, yeah. if you were going to give your August and end of year price predictions, what would those be? Oh, August is tough, but like um, I'm looking at you know I have a model which is just um, a moving average of um, you know the market cap, and you tweak it a little. Um, it captures all the tops um, in history. It probably won't catch this one because everyone's looking at it now. <laughs> um, but uh, that's that was prior to this this crash. Um, that was starting to look like it was winding up to three, four, even five hundred thousand dollars near the end of this year. Now it's starting to reduce its trajectory. Um, 
looks like it'll comfortably reach 200 to 200 it might reach 300 but we have to see how that that develops um so you know once again it's like i'm just naming this model i'm just reading what what it's pointing at but it keeps changing (laughs) (laughs) so i'm safe there right (laughs) okay all right well we'll have to see what happens at that time and circle back so um thank you both so much for coming on unchained where can people learn more about each of you and your work Okay, I'm on uh, Twitter as Wunomic. Um, you can read my tweets there. I usually put um, my analysis on there. Um, if you want a bit of a deeper um, view into the market, I do have a newsletter um, that you can subscribe to, and that's linked into from my um, Twitter account, Wunomic. Yeah, I'm Neocortex uh, on Twitter. The first uh, E is a three. Um, otherwise, um, my company is Glassnode at Glassnode on Twitter and Glassnode.com for data, charts, and um, a newsletter as well. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for coming on Unchained. Thanks very much, Laura. Really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about Willie and Raphael, check out the show notes for this episode. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, and Mark Murdoch. Thanks for listening. 